Hey guys, welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. In today's episode, I am talking all about an amazing event that happens in San Diego every year and across the country called the Climb Out of the Darkness. This event is meant to bring attention to perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. In this episode, I sit down with three folks. They are good friends and colleagues and also incredible resources here in San Diego. The first is Jen Varela. She's a sleep coach from the company Sugar Night Night, and she's also the president-elect of the Postpartum Health Alliance and a survivor herself of postpartum depression. Dr. Dan Singley, he's a great resource for peripartum men here in San Diego. He's a clinical psychologist and runs Men Excel. And Julie Lopez. Julie is a litigation attorney, but beyond that work, she also runs the climb here in San Diego and is a survivor herself of postpartum depression and anxiety. In this episode, we get to hear about all the great work that they're doing. We talk about the relationship between sleep and perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. We talk about peripartum men, and we get to hear about this great event. I hope you guys enjoy the following episode. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast with Dr. Cassidy Freitas, licensed marriage and family therapist. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, let's jump in. I was hoping I could maybe start with Jen. Mm -hmm. Hi, Jen. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for being here today. My pleasure. So, Jen, you are the president-elect of the Postpartum Health Alliance. Can you first share with us a little bit about that organization as a resource? My my pleasure. Well, I'm honored to be at this table to have this conversation. And um, Postpartum Health Alliance has been around for 21 years. Um, It's a really lovely resource for families to get um, information on what is PMATS and um, could I be possibly dealing with that. One of the things that's happened recently is the change of the vernacular from postpartum depression Mm -hmm. to PMAT. So it now brings in anxiety and other uh, mood disorders. Um, There's only 15% of um, those that are suffering with this actually get treatment. And part of that is even just knowing is what's going on with me, right? So on Postpartum Health Alliance, we have um, a link to a screening and a test where you can see if that's something you're dealing with. Um, we also have a list of great resources um, for referrals for treatment um, and support groups. And then we do a lot of education, um, even for other providers, on how to do proper screening and um, what's happening. So it's it's uh, education, it's resources, and it's support. And um, it's a nonprofit, so it's all volunteer-based. Um, so it's pretty. It's a pretty amazing thing that's happening at Postpartum Health Alliance. I was on the board a few years ago, and I remember the first time that I sat in on a board meeting, and I looked around, and there was just a few women, and it was like I was like, How, "These few women are doing all of this it's great crazy, work." It's right? so. It was. I was so. <laughs> yeah. Amazed. But it's not just the board members. There's nope. also a lot of volunteers. Mm-hmm. You guys also have the warm line. Yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. And the warm line is terrific. So if you are, you know, needing to talk to somebody about what's going on and how to get some help, um, warm line different than hotline um, in the sense that it's a 24-hour, you know, call back. Uh, but it's, it's a, that's all volunteer-based, yeah. too. So, yeah. 
So, Jen, since I have you here, mm-hmm. I get so many moms and dads asking, bring, talking about sleep. I feel mm-hmm. like sleep is a huge topic that comes mm-hmm. up in mm-hmm. that first year. Mm-hmm. For you, being somebody who is mm-hmm. a sleep coach, and what I didn't mention when I introduced you the first time was that you are also a survivor. I am. Can you speak a little to the relationship between sleep and mm-hmm. perinatal mood and anxiety disorders? Is mm-hmm. there a connection there? Yeah, so it is sort of interesting um, how that all comes together. So my, my own personal story, um, so I had um, PMADS with both miscarriages and both pregnancies. And one of the things that I realized early in with my son when he was born is that if I got a good stretch of sleep, I was much more able to cope and manage. Um, and so actually Sugar Night Night was um, created because I couldn't do the strict cried out methods of sleep training. It's just not in in my nature. Um, tears make my ears ring. I get lightheaded and feel physical pain. Yeah. Um, and so um, I figured out another way to do it. And so really how my vocation got birthed was out of the recognition, recognition, rec- I can't say that word today, recognizing (laughs) in my own life that um, sleep made a difference. And so I actually um, work with a lot of moms that are dealing with PMATs um, because when you are sleep deprived, it can exasperate um, the symptoms that you're experiencing. And the research shows that if you get a five-hour stretch of sleep, it makes all the difference. Mm -hmm. So using some strategies like doing shifts with your spouse, right, um, to protect so that you can get, you know, one stretch of sleep um, mm-hmm. that makes a difference. So, yeah, it's, and I work with a lot of therapists that are working with families um, in collaboration to help get them the support to get the sleep they need. So it's it's a, it's one of the things you can do. It's very treatable, right? PMADS is treatable, and this is one of the um, strategies that can really help and make a difference. I know someone recently who was really struggling with depression and anxiety and was just reporting every time I saw them, they were not sleeping. They were not mm-hmm. getting any rest. And, and they were, what they ended up doing was they finally reached out to a support person and that person took the baby for a night so they could there get go, a full right? night's sleep. I love those doulas. She slept for yeah. like 15 hours. She said it was like, yeah. you know, she's like, she's like, maybe it wasn't 15 hours, but it sure felt like 15 mm-hmm. hours. Mm-hmm. And she felt like a new human being mm-hmm. the next day. Yeah. It makes a difference. It really does. Well, I'm just so glad to have you as a resource and for the work that you're Thank doing you. and to have you. you here. So, Danny, this could be this could be a little um, teaser into our full episode that That's we right. have that I'm going to launch the day after Father's Day. So you work with a lot of dads. Dads matter in all of this. And I think that, you know, fortunately, there's been a lot more movement in the recognition of dads' paternal mental health and its connection to mom's maternal health. And can you share with us a little bit about the work that you do and maybe just a little teaser into why dads are so important to be talk- considering in this conversation? Sure. So um, I do a lot of dad-centric activities. Uh, so I teach classes for expectant dads. 
uh, through Scripps Hospital here in town. Um, I, I lead a research team that, that looks at paternal involvement with infants from the angle of how does it impact the fathers, not to most of the research looks at, okay, how important are dads to the development of children, and they're very important, but, you know, I have a very me-search approach on this being a dad. <laughs> Um, and I have a clinical practice where I see exclusively men, I see some couples, um, but just because of my focus in paternal perinatal mental health, I have at any given time a number of dads who themselves are struggling, having difficulty in their relationships. And um, briefly, I would say the, 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 the teaser about why do we even care about paternal mental health is because dads themselves suffer and struggle, and we're oftentimes, we don't think about, we think of dads as, you know, protector, provider. And so sometimes the work that I do with the dads is to even focus on themselves, that, that they're worth it, that they matter. Um, it matters looking after their own mental health, but there's a, there's a solid body of research now, and I don't have to explain this to you, but for your listeners, uh, that shows that having a very highly involved father has all kinds of fantastic benefits for their babies, for the fathers themselves, and and for their partners. So helping the dads to be well and be involved is, is sort of what my big North Star is in this work. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to have you as a resource here in San Diego. Well, likewise. <laughs> I love sending dads your way. Um, Could you share, I know this is kind of going beyond teaser territory since we have a full episode on this, but because this, I think that we can't have too much of this conversation and maybe people won't listen to that, but they're listening to this, so I want to get this across. How common is this for dads? And can you maybe speak just a little bit to what it can look like? Sure. So um, as you were saying, like a lot of times it's postpartum depression that's the big media darling. Um, and so for, for postpartum depression and fathers, the figure is 1 in 10. So 10% of dads get uh, clinically significant depression symptoms. Um, but then looking through the whole perinatal period um, and factoring in anxiety, uh, there's a solid meta-analysis done last year that showed that, that during pregnancy, between, between 2 and 16% get some sort of anxiety spectrum disorder, generalized anxiety, OCD, PTSD, like that. Um, and between, I think it's 4 and 18% postpartum, which is a really big number when you start looking at uh, numbers of births and, and public mental health. And when you put it all together, when you just look across, PMADS is significantly more than 10%. Um, so quite a lot of dads out there that are, that are struggling. And even for, um, for trained therapists, like, you know, psychologists even, the, uh, we don't get very much training in the psychology of men, right? Like gender psych is really women's psych. And um, we don't get trained in how I mean, gen- gender doesn't just mean women. I know, I know. <laughs> well, and, yeah, it's like, you know, men, women, and all genders. Uh-huh, you really yep. want to go at it from a, from yep. a spectrum perspective. Well, um, one of the reasons that... Well, several of the reasons why we tend to miss these things are oftentimes dads will will manifest depression very differently than uh, women and moms will. Now, there are a lot of overlaps, so women will do this as well. But um, commonly, men will experience postpartum depression specifically um, with 
anger, anger, irritability, frustration, um, also an increase in substance use, pills or drinking or whatever whatever their substances are. It can also be gambling or risky sex or dopaminergic activities broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, more somatic complaints, headaches, you know, muscle tension like this. And the, the, the dads tend to self-isolate. They tend to be much more withdrawn. And that can be actual not being around people, like they're in their man cave and playing video games, or it can be just sort of retreating into themselves even when they're around other people. Like you can be around other people and be very, very withdrawn. Um, and another reason why oftentimes we'll miss the postpartum dads is uh, as opposed to with, with moms where you do the differential diagnosis at, at four weeks between you know baby blues and real major depressive disorder, dads tend to spike symptoms three to five months, between three to five or four to six months postpartum. And so a lot of times clinicians aren't even connecting that to the birth itself. Thanks, Danny. And for anyone who's listening who is interested in hearing more about this from Danny, we will have an episode that's... Yeah, listen to your next podcast. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the day after Father's Day is when that will launch. So, Julie... She could, if you, I thank you so much for opening your office up to us and l- allowing us to, to sit down here and, and all come together. Could you share with me a little bit about what brought you to putting on the climb? Sure. Um, so, just a disclaimer, I definitely don't put on the climb alone. <laughs> <laughs> Jen and Danny and PHA and PSI all work together to put on the climb, which is why I think it's going to be so fantastic this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But my journey um, personally began with my first pregnancy, which I lost um, in kind of a traumatic way, a very traumatic way, um, and experienced a lot of increased anxiety and maybe a little depression. Um, I got pregnant with my now five-year-old son and had a lot of that still lingering. So kind of like what Jen talked about probably started with um, a pregnancy loss rather than an actual pregnancy. Um, I had my son and the anxiety continued and ratcheted up higher and higher. I had the sleep issues for sure. Um, And some of that was anxiety-driven. And I actually started seeing um, a wonderful psychologist about five months after I had my son. Um, I I started seeing him after I was in a car accident. And I really started to feel a lot worse and a lot more heightened and alert and anxious than even I was prior to the to the car accident, the car crash. Um, and I saw my psychologist, and he helped me with a lot of um, issues related to the car accident, but I was not talking to him about what was going on in terms of being a mother and with my family life and how much I was really struggling at kind of even to my psychologist, who I trust implicitly, was not being open with what I was experiencing. That combined with a pretty stressful career as a litigator and um, a a level of, well, two levels of stigma, I think, existed 
the first level was just at, as a mom, I was really ashamed to be struggling um, or for what felt like struggling for me as a mother. I, I was very um, critical of myself for not being able to do everything. And then um, on another level, there's a tremendous amount of stigma um, in the legal profession with regard to mental illness and substance abuse. And so I really felt from all angles a deep sense of shame in what I was experiencing. And so I um, did not seek additional help until my son was, it was after his first birthday. And I really was to the point where there was, there was nowhere else to go but um, to a psychiatrist, which I did, who thankfully put me on an antidepressant. And once I was on that antidepressant, a lot of the symptoms lifted enough so that I could work with my psychologist. Um, and I needed both. I really needed both levels of support. And I was doing all of the other things um, that we do to try to support ourselves. Yoga, exercise, eating right, um, trying to sleep, although that, of course, was a struggle. Um, but I really needed the, I needed both levels of care and support. So after I started to recover from what turned out to be um, postpartum depression and anxiety, I looked back and thought how silly it was that I felt so ashamed for such a long period of time that I struggled for so long and had to get so, so sick to reach out for help. And, and postpartum, PMADs are so prevalent. They're so, so prevalent. They're so treatable. And, and such a small percentage of people reach out for help. And it's because of the stigma. And, um, that's a, a silly reason for people to struggle for so long. So I went to San Diego's first climb three years ago, and it was a tiny little event put on by a friend of mine who was so brave to bring a few survivors in San Diego together. The next year I planned um, the Climb Out of the Darkness event and it was really great. We had tons of people and lots of fun things for kids to do. We made it a real, really a family friendly um, experience so that the whole family could come and really be um, an audience and the community as a whole be an audience to the message that postpartum and perinatal mental illness can really happen to anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer or a sleep coach or a teacher or a dad. Um, it, it impacts everybody. Can you tell us a little bit more? Well, first, let me back up. I, 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 you were talking about the role that medication played for you, right? And mm -hmm. how you really needed you really needed that in order to be able to do the work that you that you were doing with your therapist. There's a, a metaphor that has resonated with me around medication that oftentimes if we feel like we're under, we're drowning, right? And it's like you're underwater and the waves are crashing and you don't even know where shore is, sometimes the right medication, the right supportive medication can be the thing that just gets your head above water. And then when your head's above water, you can take a breath, you can see where shore is, and maybe you can have a supportive person, therapist or a coach or someone right there next to you 
to help you in taking the strokes that it takes to get to shore. But if you're underwater, you know, I think that that's, that's a huge sign when there is something else that is out there that could be supportive and just being able to take that first breath. That's a perfect metaphor for how I felt. And I really felt like no matter what I did, no matter what it was, no matter how many things I tried, no matter how early I set my alarm to do this one extra thing, no matter how many extra therapy sessions I went to, no matter how much time I took off work, it just, I wasn't getting my head above water. And really, I, I look back and I wish that I had reached out and got on medication sooner because I think I missed out in some experiences as a new mother because I was struggling so much. And to, to know that medication is out there that can help so tremendously much to allow you to be able to do the work, to mm-hmm. be able to start swimming towards the shore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope that, and I think... I can speak for everybody that we co-organize the event so that people know that it's okay mm. to reach out to get the help that you need and you're going to get better. You'll get better. I was I was at the last climb and there was it was such a powerful thing to be in a space with so many families and you look around and every there's there's such so much diversity there too right um just on so many different levels and it's like wow we are all here because we've been touched by this in one way shape or form and I don't know I think it it was such a powerful event in the sense of there was really this feeling of we're not alone and you're not alone and that's I think the most important message that's the the message that the climb is trying to spread that you're not alone this happens to so many people Mm. there is help and we have to do everything we can to try to eviscerate the stigma because it shouldn't stigma is just a silly reason to not be able to get better it's a powerful thing but you're right Mm -hmm. it's not that (laughs) it stands in the way of so much healing so can you guys share with me a little bit of the details of the event that's coming up and what, where people can go, and even if there are listeners who are not from San Diego, what they could do? So the event is in San Diego and in a lot of locations, taking place on June 23rd, um, and that date was chosen specifically as one of the longest or the longest day of the year. Um, and metaphorically, we wanted it to be a day where there was the most light to shine the most mm-hmm. light on um, P bands. And um, the San Diego event is going to be at Kate Sessions Park at 9 a.m., June 23rd. Um, if listeners are in other cities, they can go to the Postpartum Support International website at postpartum.net. To, thank you, to find um, this great interactive climb map, and you can type in your location and find the closest climb to you. Um, so one other thing that's kind of good to know is the climb is symbolic. We we won't be actually climbing a mountain. Yes, that's right. right. And so, <laughs> right? We're more, we're more so, marching. Yes, yes. Right. yes. I, so it's, it's, it's a, a walk. It's a nice stroll in the park, right. if you will. So it's very much... Um, <laughs> 
family friendly, uh, stroller, stroller friendly, friendly yeah. dog child yeah. friendly, and um, and it's fun. Like it, it's going to be a really great time. Of you know, my kids they loved it last time. It was just, it was really cool. So it's it's a nice time to get out. It's a beautiful location. It's just encouraging to know that there's you know you're not alone in it and it's and it's really you know it's about bringing awareness more than anything else and that's that's what we want is just for people to come and and have have that connection right um but one of the one of the nice things that does happen is there is a fundraising component to this um you know psi is doing amazing work um nationally and internationally um and so there's um you know it takes take support to make that happen um, and they are also making sure that some of the funds come back to the local resources too mm-hmm. so um, so for postpartum health alliance it's really terrific because 75% of the funds raised will come back to San Diego so so there's there's something to be said about how this is all set up mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty exciting like so it's a beautiful way to be around others, to feel less alone, mm-hmm. to have a fun day, yeah. take a little stroll, yeah. and also support your local community yep. and the national community yep. around postpartum support. Yep. And for people who are local who want to take part, you can go to our Facebook page. So you go to Facebook and then search on Climb Out San Diego. And we have a, a page that's dedicated, and it's got the event and the information. And right there, you can click through to the registration page as well. Um, so for local people, that's how you would go about registering. But even if you're not local, and like Jen said, you want to support, there is a, a fundraising aspect to it, you can also click through to, uh, to donate online as well. Awesome. Thank you all so much for showing up and for the great work that you're doing for the community. I'm just so grateful to all of you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And for those who are listening who want to find more resources or any resources that were mentioned in this podcast, I will be sure to add those to the podcast notes. So check over to those to be able to click those links and find out more information. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day.